Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. I uh, have been thinking this week as I've been preparing for this sermon a couple of times when um, we as a family were looking to to travel or move, I should say, more importantly. And uh, I remember the one time while we were living in the UK before we came here, um, our friends, really good friends, had got all of their stuff together and had got visas to go to Australia. And they were like, you guys should come with us to Australia. And we were like, maybe, oh, that's not a bad idea. And uh, if you've ever done this kind of thing, uh, the first thing I did was I went onto uh, the Australian webpage and uh, was trying to look into what it would take to relocate to Australia. And uh, if you can count, you'll realize that there's a point system. And uh, no matter how much I wanted to go to Australia, I could not accumulate enough points. It was impossible. I had all sorts of skills, but I didn't have paperwork to say this and that qualified. And, And you know how it goes. And uh, I was pretty disappointed, but it was a short-lived dream because it was just impossible. No matter how much I wanted it, no matter how much I tried, it wasn't going to happen. And then before that, I remember back to when we were in Zimbabwe and we really became, we had this sense that our time in Zim was coming to an end and we were going to be moving on and we were praying through the whole process. I mean, where do we go? How do we get out of here? It's the same process again for anyone who's had to relocate And uh, I remember just spending time praying and God gave me scripture where he talked to Abraham and he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to take you back to the place that I carried you from. And that was a significant word for us. And so if, if you know anything about me, before I lived for 16 years in Zimbabwe, I lived in the UK. And so I was thinking, okay, God, you're saying you're going to take us back to the UK. And uh, so we were praying through that and started looking at opportunities for work. And my very best friend had moved from Zimbabwe to the Isle of Man. And he was attending a church there. And it so happened at that time that they were advertising for an assistant pastor. So I thought, oh, you know, our friends are there. That's always helpful. I thought, maybe this is a good thing. And so I filled out all the application and put myself into the process. And we were praying through the whole process and it was moving forward and they were happy with me and they were interested. And at one particular point, it was just down to me and another guy. And we were so full of faith at that stage that this is what God wanted for us. So we had kind of handed in our notice uh, for our rent on our place and we'd literally been selling stuff off. I mean, we were living highly in faith, giving stuff away, selling it all off literally at the end of the month. We were going to have to move out and we didn't have anything anymore. And it came down to the point where I heard back that they'd gone for the other guy. And I was like, oh my word, Lord, what are you doing? You said you're going to be taking us back to the place you came. I mean, Isle of Man's pretty close, Lord. Uh, I really felt like this is the thing. And it was like the door just went and it was over. I mean, literally, we were like, no, we still believe they've got to move there still. They're not going to move there. It's going to, they're going to pull out. Anyways, long story short, we ended up moving in with Heidi's folks and we were like, now what? It was impossible. It was not going to happen. We're talking about the kingdom of God today. Again, we're in the middle of a series. And uh, the title of the message this week, when we talk about the kingdom of God, 
is it's an impossible kingdom. Can you say that with me? Let's say it together. Impossible kingdom. Just say that word impossible again. Impossible. Impossible. Just like Australia was for us at that particular point, and just like the Isle of Man, oh, we're going to pause on my story, by the way. I'm going to come back to that story because we serve an amazing God. Um, just like Australia and the Isle of Man became a non-possibility, impossible for us, I want to be very clear today. It's important that we understand that, that for us to get into the kingdom of God, it is impossible without a miracle. Amen? And, and it's important that we realize that today. For us to get into the kingdom of God, for us to be able to move into eternity with Jesus when our time comes is impossible without a miracle. Like it was impossible for us to get out of Zimbabwe at that stage without a miracle. And that realization, my friend, is key today. Okay. Uh, Mark chapter 2 verse 17 says, Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician but those who are sick. You know, if you're sick, but you don't believe you're sick, and the doctor says, take this medicine, but you're like, no, I'm not sick. You're not gonna take the medicine, amen? The doctor is of no use to you unless you're willing to admit that you're sick, and you're willing to take the medicine. Are you with me? In principle, this idea, what we're talking about. The doctor is the professional. You go to him, he diagnoses, he says, this is wrong, this is what you need to take. It was pointless for Jesus to come for people who didn't think they were sick. He was an eternal physician to heal the souls of man. But you will know if you've read the Bible, there were times, even when he went back to his hometown, they just thought he was the carpenter's kid or the carpenter. And, and they didn't listen to his words. They, they were proud. They didn't think anything was wrong. And the king of heaven who was walking in their midst had no impact on their lives. So it's important for us to realize today that if Jesus, the physician, is to impact your life, you have to understand that you are spiritually sick. Amen. Otherwise, like uh, James 4, or, or, sorry, the Bible says is that people don't respond to Jesus because in their pride, they think they're fine. Amen. But the Bible tells us, and this is a really important thing for us to remember, that God opposes the proud. And now, I know in life that there are many oppositions that we face. But one thing that you don't want is God to be in opposition to you. Amen. Pride is a big issue for God. He hates it. The Bible tells us he opposes it. He stands in full array against pride, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. And so as we talk about this impossible kingdom, we need to realize that entry into eternity with God is impossible without a miracle. And so I want to talk today about four reasons why this kingdom is impossible. Amen. Everybody say impossible. impossible. Say it again. Impossible. Thank you. Right. The first reason why it's impossible as a kingdom is because there is an impossible standard. Everybody say standard. What is God's standard for you? If you were to be good enough to qualify for the Olympics, you'd have to be right up there in your nation in a particular sporting discipline. Okay. You'd have to work hard 
and get good enough to be better than everybody else to qualify for the games. Well, sometimes people think that they can be good enough to get into heaven. And it's like there's a certain standard. They work hard, they try hard, they do good stuff, and eventually they'll cross the threshold and the golden buzzer will go and they'll have achieved what they achieve to get into heaven. But it's impossible. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, if you want to be good enough, that's fine. You have to be perfect. He said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There is an impossible standard when it comes to being, becoming a Christian. We, please hear me. If you, if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to understand that you cannot be good enough. No matter how good you are and how lovely you are and how wonderful you are, you will never be perfect like God. Amen? I want that penny to drop hard today for all of us. You will never be good enough to get into heaven and you will never be good enough to keep being a Christian. Okay? Because sometimes we think the getting, thing, getting in thing is the part where I have to be humble. Yes, I'm sick and I need a doctor to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And then we... We live as Christians and day by day we grow and we get better and we, we, begin to, we begin to start to think, I'm getting this. I'm starting to get it all sorted, buttoned down. I'm getting good at this. And the Bible says that that even, it, you can't be good. Look at the person next to you and just say to them, you're not good enough. Look at them again and say, you will never be good enough. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In the old days, in the Old Testament, the scribes and the Pharisees, these were the professional Christian people or professional religious people. Let me say that. Sorry, that's a much better way to say it. They prided themselves in being good rule followers. They loved the rules so much that they made rules for the rules that God gave them. It was all about being good in this area and doing this and not doing this and box ticking. They, but you know what? They were never good enough. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Painted all beautifully on the outside, but rotten and dead on the inside. He goes on in Matthew 5 to say, it's not good enough just to externally be good. The inside is just as important. He says in, in Matthew 5, 21, he, I'm summarizing now. He says, some of you, you see it, it says you shall not murder. And you're like, I've never murdered anyone. I'm good. But he says, if you ever feel anger in your heart for someone, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And people are like, oh my word. He, he goes on in another scripture to say, you shall not commit adultery. And the guys are there thinking, I've never had adultery. I'm good enough. But he says, if you look at a woman and lust for her in your heart, you've committed adultery. The guys are like, my goodness. It's not just about the outside. It's about the inside. He talks about rich people. He says it's, 
it's it's impossible for a rich person to get into heaven it's like he, he likens it to a camel being able to pass through the eye of a needle i want to just say today you you can have billions and billions you can be jeff bezos and you can give away billions but you'll never give away enough to get into heaven you know if you've got lots of money you can get a visa to come and live in jersey can i just tell you there is no amount of money that is great enough to get a visa to go into heaven okay the bible says it doesn't matter the standard is just so high that you could never achieve it it's an impossible standard okay say impossible standard very good right the second reason why the kingdom of God is an impossible kingdom is because you and I have an impossible nature right say that with me impossible nature look at the person next to you and say you're impossible <laughs> I want to tell you today the most natural part of who you are you know in life we practice to be slightly better and the, the most natural part of you is working against you every moment of the day okay there's a there's a teaching that came about during the time of Calvin which was called the total depravity of man okay the total depravity of man is a concept and it's based on scripture and if I was to summarize it for you, this is what I'm talking about. The doctrine of total depravity asserts that people are, as a result of the fall of Adam, yes, people are not inclined or even able to love God wholly with heart, mind, and strength, but rather are inclined by nature to serve their own will and desires and reject his rule that's what you've got to work against a nature that is opposed to god is regardless of god is not inclined does not lean towards him but rather is focused on me at your very core you, you need to see this today that it's not interested it's only interested in me and achieving what is easiest for me and what is best for me what I want okay now we, not all the time but your default mechanism is that you have a nature that is impossible to deal with it just doesn't know how doesn't want to know God Psalm 10 verse 4 says that the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. That's what you've got to work against. A nature that doesn't care about God. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned the natural part of you just doesn't know how to build a relationship with god and it doesn't want to 
It's just busy with all sorts of other things. Your life has been filled up with false gods that you throw your attention to. There's an impossible standard and you have an impossible nature because of the fall of man. It's something that we didn't go looking for. It's something that we got. It's in our DNA, if you will. Every man, every woman in all of eternity, apart from God, it has total depravity. There's no way of finding your way out of it. Impossible nature. Let's move on. So understanding that there's an impossible standard and we have an impossible nature. If we finish the sermon right there, it'd be pretty disappointing, wouldn't it? But the story doesn't end there. Thank God. Thank God. Because Jesus has shown us an impossible kindness. An impossible. If it wasn't for God making the first move, you and I would never be able to respond. I want to tell you today, you know, sometimes when we say, I, 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 I became a Christian, I, I received God, I chose to become a Christian, you know, you, you might fall into the trap of thinking that I made that decision uh, independently of the kindness of God. And I want to tell you today, the very fact that you are able to do that is because God reached out to you first. An impossible kindness. It would be impossible to do it without him first making the move. John 6:44, Jesus speaking, says this, listen. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. I want to tell you, in this time when we live or every moment of time since the resurrection, we have this wooing taking place. The kindness of God. I mean, he performed it in an act in Jesus on the cross. Amazing. And since that point, there is a wooing that takes place that often we are unaware of. Amen. But there comes a moment in our lives when suddenly we think about God and we think in a way that is more interested and we want to investigate and, and we have questions and, and we suddenly feel a bit more open to this idea. And it's all because there's a wooing, there's a kindness, a God kindness that is just drawing you. There's no way that we could come to Jesus without God first pulling on our heartstrings, if you will, our spiritual heart strings. This is a fantastic verse, Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So this idea is that whilst we were running around 
not a care in the world when it came to God and his things. Jesus died for us. When we were in the thick of our sinning, Jesus died for us and made a way for us to acknowledge the goodness of God and to come to him. That just blows my mind. You know, in the face of God's smile and eyes full of love staring down at us, we as a race were just running around, living hatefully towards him, regardless of what he wanted for us and his goodness, just filling our lives up with our stuff. And yet, while we were doing that, he still went through with it. Amazing, amazing, impossible kindness. And you know, some of the teaching of Calvinism goes a bit far, I think, when it says that God chooses specific people to be saved and others that he doesn't. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, he desires all men to be saved. It doesn't exclude anybody. Everyone has the opportunity now to respond to the kindness, the impossible kindness of Jesus. Amen? It's not like some are just destined to be burned and others are, well, you guys are in. Everyone has the opportunity to respond. So, we have an impossible standard. Amen? Then we have an impossible nature. But we have the impossible kindness of God. Amen? Let's move on to our fourth impossible today. It's impossible righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. We receive an impossible righteousness from God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin. Just think about that. Jesus was perfect in absolutely every way. And he had to be perfect in absolutely every way for him to fulfill the purpose for which he came. He decided to submit to the will of his Father and become sin. Perfect. Perfect in every way. He decided to submit his will to become sin for you. I just want you to think about that. He didn't deserve anything that he got, not in any way or form. He knew it was coming, and yet he looked and saw you because he saw every face throughout time, and he said, I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for them. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might, listen to me now, we might become the righteousness of God in him. That highly encourages me, that phrase, the righteousness of God. You know what God sees when he looks at me right now? And what he says? What does he say? Righteous. You know what he thinks when he looks at you right now? Righteous. You may have had a vicious fight with somebody. You may have sworn at somebody on your way to church. You may have done unspeakable things that you've been able to conceal from people. But as a Christian, when God looks at you, he says, righteous, righteous. Look at your neighbor and say, you are righteous in him. 
How is that possible? The only way I could think quickly is like back in the old days when you used to post a letter, right? You would fold the letter, you'd put it in the envelope, and you'd close the envelope. And it's like because of Jesus' sacrifice, when we are saved, we are wrapped up like a letter in the envelope of Jesus. So no matter what happens in our lives at that point, whatever we do, this is blowing your mind and my mind, no matter what we do, we are righteous in God. When God looks at you right now, what does he see? Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now, when you do fall, not if, when you do break rules, when you do fail Jesus, that doesn't change how he sees you. It doesn't change how he thinks about you. When the devil rushes in to perch on your shoulder and to do what he does best, accuse. When he starts to tell you how rubbish you are and how weak you are and how such a hypocrite that you are and how you keep failing Jesus, you don't, you don't belong in the church. You're not worthy of salvation. Can I just say it's true? But, but, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Just give him a hallelujah and say, thank you, Lord. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is an impossible righteousness. You couldn't earn it and you couldn't keep it. And you cannot lose it. If you did nothing to get it, how can you lose it? It's a gift of grace from God. Now, you could pry his hand open and jump out if you wanted, but it's not like losing a fiver out of your wallet. It is a deliberate and a willful act to walk away from Christ and to divorce him. So I just want you to receive peace right now in your heart. I want you to learn as you mature as a believer to tell the devil when he comes accusing, even when you don't deserve it, when you know you failed him again, just say it, devil, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am righteous. I am righteous. Just say it again with me. I am righteous. Impossible, but true. It's, it's possible to break his commandments, right? Let's read Matthew 5, 19. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in hell? No, the least in the kingdom of heaven. You're still in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? You just get called least. But whoever does and teaches them, these are the commandments of God, he shall be called great. We're all in there, just some are titled great and some are titled least. Amen? Which one do you want to be? I mean, you're going to be in. Hopefully you want to be great. So let me go back to my story. We've talked about an impossible standard. We've talked about an impossible nature. 
We've talked about impossible kindness and we've talked about impossible righteousness. This kingdom that we are in, it's just impossible. So the door had been slammed shut on the Isle of Man. We were like desperately, where are we going to go? We've just given everything away. We've got nowhere to live. We're like literally bags packed. We're saying, Lord, what are you doing? And I forget exactly how this happened. But uh, when I was a 15-year-old boy living in the UK, I was going along to a youth group in a church, didn't know God, was mildly interested, but had serious tragedy in my life. I was a lost soul. And uh, the kindness of God was shown because a couple of the guys who were the youth workers in the church asked me when my mom had died, my stepdad had died, I had no one, do you want to come live with us? Um, and so they went through the whole process, you know, with the government to make it so. Um, and it was in that context that I really encountered the love of God greatly. Long and story short, my uncle came from Zimbabwe. And uh, while I'd been living with him, maybe for nine months, he said, why don't you come back and stay with us in Zimbabwe? We'd love for you to come do that. So I did. That's how I went to Zimbabwe. Grew up, finished school, got married to my beautiful wife, had two beautiful babies. Um, and then it was in this, in this we had a, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. And it just seemed like the time had come. Isle of Man had fallen through and I'm like, Lord, what's happening? And uh, we got a call. One of the youth workers, now just bear in mind now, the scripture that I had received from the Lord is, I'm going to carry you back to the place that I carried you from. That's quite specific, amen? Sky Pete calls me up and says, this is the church that I went to as a teenager. Didn't know the Lord. The church is advertising a position for an assistant pastor. Would you consider it? And we were like, I didn't know I was, but I've been waiting for your phone call. And anyway, we went through the process and we got called to go and we were managed to, to move to the UK to the very place that I left when I went to Zimbabwe. The impossible kindness of the Lord. You know, when Jesus was looking and talking to the disciples and he said that stuff about, you know, you know you've heard it said that you shall not murder, but if you, if you, if you have anger in your heart, You've murdered. It's like you won't receive the kingdom. You know, the bit about the adultery and lust. And, and the disciples and the people who were listening were just so taken aback that they were like, Lord, what must we do to be saved? And it was like Jesus realized, you've got it, boys. You can't do anything. You've got it. And he said to them, Jesus looked at them and said, Matthew 19, 26, 26 with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Just say that with me now. With God, all things are possible. Not some things, not his favorite things. All things are possible. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today that if God can save you, he can do anything. If he can redeem you, and if he can call you by name, call you out, woo you to himself, send Jesus 
as a divine love letter to you and die for you a horrible death on a cross, a perfect lamb to become your sin, to receive the full wrath of God for all of mankind on the cross. If he can do that for you, nothing is impossible. All things are possible with God. I want to tell you today, because I want to finish by just calling out to the awesome power of God today. You might be here and you've never crossed the line of faith. You've never said, God, I'm in. Will you receive me now? I'm choosing to cross the line. You may never have done that today. Today could be the most important and significant day in your life. You can become what we call is a Christian. Cross the line of faith. Be what the Bible has described as being born again. Strange phrase. Whatever you want to call it. But I also want to say to you today, there are mountains in our lives. Amen? That look impossible. But I want to tell you today, the perfect environment for a miracle is impossible. And so you might be here today and you might have had a diagnosis about your body. That is not good. I want to tell you, healing is possible in the name of Jesus. I know that there are people who want to have children in our family. And who are struggling the doctor might tell you you can't I want to tell you God is a God of the impossible you might be facing debt in your life that you think I can never claw myself out of this pit I want to tell you as Adam said God owns the cattle on a thousand hills he he the earth the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it I want to tell you that he is Jehovah Jireh our provider he's done it in our lives I believe he can do it in yours today you may have a dream that you've held in your heart since you were young and you feel like it's not possible anymore I want to tell you that God is a God of the impossible amen you might have this desire to serve him in a way I just want to I'm trying to stir you today. If you are here and there is an insurmountable mountain in your life, I want to tell you that with God, all things are possible. If he can save you, he can meet you at your point of need. All things are possible. So I'd love us to stand to our feet, please, if we can. Maybe the band can come and get ready. That would be great. But I want you to wrap your heart around this prayer right now as i've been speaking maybe something has been highlighted in your life i don't know what it is something impossible something that you've been praying for for years and you haven't seen god move yet let's believe him for a miracle amen because he is a god of the possible he can do it if it's impossible in our eyes he just loves to be able to show us his glory so let's if you're happy to lift your hand to heaven if you're sick maybe put your hand on a place that needs healing on your body I don't know just just respond to the Lord and say I'm here Lord I hear you speaking let's go Jesus thank you that whilst with men these things are impossible 
with God all things are possible. And whilst we've been hearing how your kingdom is impossible, we want to thank you that it is possible because Jesus has made a way. And I thank you, Lord, that as Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, he also died to conquer sickness. He even conquered death itself, Lord, the ultimate sickness. Lord, I thank you that there is nothing too hard for you right now, Jesus. I thank you for your healing in bodies in Jesus' name. We say, yes, Lord, I receive it in Jesus' name. Your promise to me today. Lord, I thank you that where there is a lack in people's lives, God, I pray that they will see your bounty, bounty poured into their lack in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that you meet every financial need in people's lives today, God. You are rich, God. And you care about every point of need, Lord. Thank you for dreams, God, coming to life. Thank you for new visions and new hope and new opportunities, for new job opportunities, Lord. You are able. You are able, God. I want to speak to reproductive organs in this place today and I say be healed in the name of Jesus every fiber of every being life in Jesus name thank you Holy Spirit that you rush into our lives right now thank you for peace Lord I pray if there are people here today who are racked with worry and fear about the future. Thank you for your peace covering them, Lord, and permeating them, Lord. That peace which surpasses all understanding. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, I'm praying for people's hearts and minds to see themselves as you call them, Lord. I speak against every lie of the devil in Jesus' name. And I call you out today and I say, you are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. Lord, I thank you for your power and your strength to help us to walk in your righteousness, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you break the power of sin in people's lives today, Lord. But you set them free from patterns of decades in their lives, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never crossed the line of faith, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm just simply going to ask you to say in your heart to the Lord, have me, Lord. I give you everything of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross, for your resurrection. Thank you for making it possible, for calling me, for wooing me. Today, I make you, Jesus, the Lord of my life. Sit on the throne of my heart, God, and my mind. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me 
and make me new. I thank you, God, for a newness in your people today, a freshness, Lord. You're the God of the impossible. You make all things possible, Jesus. We need you, Lord, in every area of our lives. We cannot do this life without your complete involvement. And so we lay ourselves open to you, Jesus, and say, have your way. Have your way in us, Jesus. We give ourselves wholly to you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.